0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. And for the last four or five weeks or so, we've been focusing on the ministry of our Good Shepherd. So Psalm 23, verse 1, let's do a little bit of review. The Lord is my shepherd. Say, the Lord Lord. is my my shepherd. You know, as I've shared, Psalm 23 is a very popular psalm. A lot of people know whether they're saved or not saved. People recognize this Psalm. And a lot of times when we get familiar with something in the Word of God, we say, like, oh, I've heard that before. I can quote this scripture backwards and forward. I know it in Spanish. I know it in Hebrew. I can even do the Greek translation of it. Well, that's great. That's good. I'm glad you're a scholar. But sometimes when we look at stuff like this and say, well, I've seen it before, we miss what God is saying to our heart. I know even though I don't remember the first time I've heard the song, but I know I've heard it all my life, I've seen different facets of God as my shepherd, even this week alone to the point where he did something, I said, well, thank you, my shepherd. I don't know how many times I called him my shepherd in that way, but I saw how carefully he was leading me, how he was directing me, how he was ministering to me, and it's because of this revelation we've gotten out of this text. So I encourage you, whether you're here or online, open your heart to receive something new from the Spirit of God today, amen? And sometimes, it's not even new, sometimes it reminds you of stuff that he told you a long time ago. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost reminds you of stuff? Jesus even said the Holy Ghost is sent to remind you of things he said to you. So I'm glad that he reminds us, like, didn't I tell you 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah, you did. I, I forgot, sir. Thank you for being merciful. So the Lord is my shepherd. So because he's my shepherd, he is invested in my well-being. So think about shepherds as being business people. And their flock is how their business produces, right? Any good shepherd will want their sheep to produce, right? They want their sheep to be healthy. They want their sheep to be strong. They want their sheep to be protective, right? And so if David is using this comparison to God, if we could think of a natural shepherd, a business person being that way, how much more our loving heavenly Father? Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now we'll go for it. Therefore I shall not want. So we looked at this before, the phrase shall not want means I shall not lack, I shall not be without, I shall not decrease, I shall not be lacking, I shall not have a need. That's what that phrase means, so say with me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not lack, I shall not be without, I shall not decrease, I shall not be lacking, I shall not have a need. So the shepherd desires to lead you to a place of no lack, a place where you will not have a need, a place where you do not decrease. That's where he's leading you. Somebody's like, well, pastor, I'm not there yet. Well, keep following your shepherd because that's where he's leading you to. And as we talk about it, so often sheep are prone to wander, whether it's by themselves or lead the whole flock astray. Sheep are prone to wander, but our shepherd is prone to chase because he's a good shepherd. So if we want to experience more of the benefits we have of walking with God, we need to follow him. Not get ahead of him. Not go our own way. How many know your way is not better than God's? How many of you know you've got to this place in your life of great spiritual maturity where you realize God knows better than you? Come on. The old saints just say your arms are too short to box with God. I know I can't box with him, and I know I'm not better by myself, left to my own devices. How many glad that you're not left to your own devices? Lord, have mercy. He's our shepherd, so we follow him. Since he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. We said this first word for lead here means to lead, to give rest, to lead with care, to guide to a watering place or station, to cause to rest. To bring to a station or place of rest to guide and to refresh as I said you can find my notes on the Uversion app or the Faith Plus app so once again means to lead to give rest to lead with care to guide to a watering place or station to cause to rest to bring to a station or place of rest to guide to refresh and so you know I've been believing for that rest anybody else been believing for rest Because if see, this is just me. It's kind of how some stuff God is working me on. I'm a person like I gotta go. I gotta get do this. The summer stuff I gotta do. Gotta do. If I sit down, like, did I do enough today? Am I productive enough? That's just kind of of my personality. Anybody else like that? So I just gotta stay busy. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. And even this year, sheltered in place, we think, oh, we're gonna have a restful year. But how many know that filled up really quickly? That although you stuck at home, you've been doing a lot of stuff at home. Never thought you'd do at home, but now you busy just like when he left. And so we have this tendency, especially in our Western culture, to glorify the grind. To go, we have to produce, we got to do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and we usually violate our bodies by not resting. And so we may have a lot on our plate that should rightfully be on our plate. Whether you're a spouse or a parent or a grandparent, whatever your job or career is and other things the Holy Ghost has called you to do, your plate could be full Sometimes overflowing, my wife tells me, you like to keep your plate overflowing, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of true. But even if God has called you to a full overflowing plate, there's a way to do it all and still have rest. So your shepherd is leading you how to be productive and still have rest. He'll lead you to times like, you know, oh, God, what should I do today? Sit yourself down. Excuse me? Sit down. Uh, what else should I do? Take a nap. You know, naps are spiritual. Jesus took naps, so we should be more like Jesus. He took naps, and some of you is like, as soon as church is over, after I eat, nap time has started. <laughs> rest is not a bad thing. And, you know, sometimes God will lead us to rest. I remember one time, this is a while ago, that I thought I was supposed to have this deep time of prayer, so I went and led to prayer, and I began to pray for a little bit, and I just ended up in this peace, and I was knocked out of sleep. And I woke up, I was like, oh, did I fall asleep on God? It was, no, you needed to rest. <laughs> so follow him, and he'll show you how to rest. You know, it talks about in the message version of the Gospels, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Because how I many know you can go on vacation and still be stressed out? and you get back, you need a vacation from your vacation. So although I believe in taking vacation, taking time off more, but if we don't do it the way the shepherd leads us to, it was like, well, why did I do that in the first place? That we can have rest every single day of our lives. He restores my soul. The word soul means your mind, your will, and the very seat of your emotions. Very control center of your emotions. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. Say, I have a soul. I live in this physical body. This physical body is not the real you. It's not. It's not. You are a spirit person, which should remind people how stupid racism is. And to make decisions based off of what you think of someone else's race is evil. When we're all made in the image of God, we are spirit beings. We have a soul, and we live in this physical body. And so it says he restores your mind. Thank God. You know, old saints would testify how he kept me in my right mind. You know, they use that phrase from the demoniac when he got delivered clothing in my right mind. You know when you're younger you're like why would they say that but after you live life a little bit oh thank god He kept me in my right mind with all that's going on this year he has kept me in my right mind Lord have mercy He restores your mind so even if you've been through some things and you need some restoration for your mind it's available from the ministry of your shepherd said so he restores your will or your desire because sometimes after you've gone through a lot of stuff, you're like, you know what? I ain't going to even bother anymore. I ain't even going to bother. No, 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 no. Wait. He will restore your desire. You know, it's like one of the things the Lord told us a few weeks ago in the utterance gifts in this experience is that he's, what he's doing in us in December, he described the restoration of our soul. He said, I'm restoring your desire to live. I'm restoring a sense of adventure to you. So where you take a step out in faith, And believe me for the impossible. And believe me for things the rest of humanity wouldn't dare believe me for. He's restoring your will. And then he's restoring your emotions. You know, we've all been through the same storm this year. We may not have been all in the same boat, but we've all gone through the same storm. And even if you were in one of the better boats, there's been some emotional challenges that you could feel very drained by April. May, June, July, and after a while, you just kind of know. But you know what he said? I'll restore your emotions. That's just part of how good he is. He even cares about your emotional health and your mental health and your physical health and your spiritual health and your financial health. That's just who he is. He cares about those things. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. The second lead means to lead forth, to guide, and to lead. The word for lead forth is also used when we talk about how a general or a king will lead forth an army. So one of the things we'll get into next week and in January is sometimes your shepherd will lead you to a battlefield. He will lead you to a fight. You know, when he revealed himself as the God of peace, the God of restoration to Gideon, he told him, now get up and go fight. Look at the book of Judges, how the Holy Ghost stirred up Samson to fight. The Holy Ghost led Jesus in the wilderness to a fight, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, fasting and then battling the devil. The Holy Ghost led him there. So one of the things you look through the scriptures, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to a fight. But you have to understand this. If your shepherd leads you to a battle, know he has victory in mind for you. If he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. But one of the things that was in my heart as I began praying concerning next year is a year of unprecedented victory, that the Lord said, "Make sure you're fighting the right battles. Make sure you're fighting the right battles, because there's some battles the Lord will lead you to, and there's some battles you can pick on your own, which are good for you to pick. And then there's some stuff you just don't even need to be involved in. Like how much emotional energy have you spent this year arguing with stupid people on Facebook? You don't even know if that person is real. It could be a bot." Just responding and you using all your emotional energy fighting on Facebook. You know, one of the things, because there's some things, I'll see stuff like, you know, I want to respond, nope, nope, nope. It's something that me and my younger brothers have shared with each other. It's it's not our job to fix all ignorance. You know, Dad Hagen used to say it this way. You may remember this quote, let the ignorant be ignorant still. You don't have to fix everything. But when you take on that complex, I gotta fix it all, I gotta fix it all, I gotta be in control of everything, you will wear yourself out. So in this last week and a half of the year, take a stock of your life. Analyze your life. Make sure you're fighting the right battles. Because sometimes if you get engaged in the wrong battle, you'll miss the one you're supposed to be fighting. And you miss the victory you're supposed to have. So he's leading you forth in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through. Say through. Through. Put in the chat. Say through. through. The valley of the shadow of death. Walk through. Don't always be going through something. Go through. Don't build a resort. Some of us like to build a resort in the valley of the shadow of death. That is not a good vacation spot. No, walk through. There are times you'll be led through the valley of the shadow of death. But through not to stay. And sometimes we put ourselves in the valley. We wandered in, and the shepherd has to go get us. And then you get mad at your shepherd because he didn't fix it in three minutes when it took you 30 years to get there. And you want Jesus to be a genie. You have to follow him. Yes, he's not going to make you pay for your mistakes, but you have to follow him. And it could have taken you 30 years to get there, so it may not take three minutes to fix it. It may take some time. But you need to follow him every single step of the way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is a choice. Being afraid is a choice. Yes, it can be an emotion, but it's also a choice because you can fear that emotion begin to rise. Right? You can fear the times when you're about to be frightened or something news is getting you to a place where you're afraid or reports you've heard of to get into a place where you're afraid, you can make a choice right now. I can either give in to this feeling or I can say, no, I will not fear. And we've had ample opportunity to do this all this year. And you're gonna have ample opportunity to do it next year. But you need to make a choice that so you know what, I will not be afraid. You have to choose not to fear. You have to flush fear out of your life. Well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says perfected or matured or grown-up love flushes out or evicts all fear, right? So when you start thinking about how much God loves you, and you start talking to yourself about how much God loves you, you read scriptures about how much God loves you, you sing songs about how much God loves you, that fear loses its power, and it's flushed from your life. So that means you should take a fear flush every single day. Every time you feel, get, you feel yourself getting afraid, it's like, you know what, God loves me. John 17 says, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You sing songs you learn in children's church, or you say, oh, that's a kiddie song, but it's still full of power and revelation. Jesus loves me, this I know. If that's the only song you know about the love of God, that's what you sing all day long. So why well, can't sing like Minister Dathan and Sister Camilla? And sing it anyways. It'll help you. It's like, no one else likes my singing. That's okay, Jesus likes it. If Jesus is the only one, he's still singing anyways. Get yourself free from fear. Because the thing is how fear works is like the opposite of faith. Just like faith brings the blessings of God to you, fear brings what the enemy wants in your life. And so you can do everything right and do everything healthy, but still be afraid and still get the results you were trying not to get. Fear is a spiritual force you can yield to, but you have to make a choice. I will not fear. So I will not not. fear. Come on, put it in the chat online. Say, no fear here. here. Now, why does the psalmist say, I will not fear? For you are with me. So, in the midst of everything, even in the valley of the shadow of death, your shepherd's bigger than the valley. He's bigger than anything in the valley, and he's bigger than the valley itself. So, that means I'm not going to concentrate on the valley, I'm not going to concentrate on the shadow. I'm not going to concentrate on all the things hiding in the darkness, all the things that go bump in the night. I'm not going to concentrate on that. I could concentrate on all these things and be messed up in my mind. But if I concentrate on my shepherd who is with me and bigger than the valley, I won't be afraid. But also we remember what the scriptures tells us. He is the light of the world. And he says, as long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world. But then he said, you are the light of the world. So when I'm walking through the valley, light is coming through me, and it's coming through my shepherd. And you know what? There's also some other people who've, you know, been vacationing in the shadow of death, living in the shadow of death, living in that valley. But do you know what happens? As they see light, they're drawn to light. Now, at first, if you've been in darkness all your life, and the light comes on, what is your first thing to do? Cover your eyes, right? So their first reaction to you may be who who is that person? Who do they think they are? Da, da 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 da. They may run their mouth, post subtweet all the other stuff. But eventually as you walk through that situation, somebody's going to follow you outside of the valley. There's somebody on the other side of your obedience. There's somebody on the other side of your victory. So choose not to fear in the valley but follow your shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We talked about how the rod was the weapon of choice of the shepherd. It represented his authority, his power, and his protection. It even represented his discipline. What do you mean? Would the shepherd hit the sheep with it? No. He would throw it. A skilled shepherd would throw it when a sheep began to wander, and it would land next to the sheep and remind it, it has reached his boundary. And so that's just like how we're about to wander off, and we have this word that's quickened to our heart, and we remind, "Now I'm not supposed to do that. Anybody ever had that before? When you're about to do something, the Lord said, no, don't you do that. Or sometimes the Holy Ghost said, don't you post that. Or the Holy Ghost said, shut up. Shh, shh. Sometimes that's the greatest blessing. Shut up. Delete that post. Nope, don't, nope, don't, don't even hit it. What is that? Our shepherd protecting us from ourselves. Sometimes some of you are worried about haters. You might be concentrating on yourself. Oh, it was the devil. No, it was you. Oh, it was my haters. No, it was you. And sometimes people got a lot of haters because they're hating themselves. Have you been sowing cancellation and hateration? If that's the case, that's what you get. You believe for abundant harvest, sow the right seeds. You know, one of the things I tell my teenager all the time, I said, one of the greatest things God ever gave you is a choice. Sow the right ones. One of the greatest things God ever gave you is a choice. So make sure you sow the right ones. Now the staff was for the care of the concern of the sheep. And he says, the rod and the staff, they comfort me, which means even in the valley of the shadow of death, I can have comfort because I know my shepherd and I know he's with me and I know what he's promised me in the word. Now let's get into where we want to go today. You prepare a table before me. And so on Monday when I was just beginning to think about and pray about the messages for the week, it was echoing in my heart all week long. There's room for you at the table. There's room for you at the table. He's made a place for you at the table. He's made a space for you at the table. And so I was meditating that all this week. He prepares a table before me. He made a spot for me. That means even in the midst of this year, there was provision made for me because he knew I would need it. He's prepared a spot for me. Like even me with all my issues, all my problems, all the stuff I'm still working through, there's still room for me. That doesn't matter my background or my past, there's room for me. It doesn't matter our mistakes, there's room for us. And so I started thinking there's room at the table and I was focused on that. And we talked about that on Wednesday night. I encourage you to listen to that message on YouTube or on the Faith Plus app. But then I began to meditate it more and I started talking to him about it. That statement there's room for you at the table is also an invitation. The statement there's room for you at the table is also a statement of invitation. Because just because the shepherd prepares a table and a feast, some translations call it a feast, it doesn't mean you will sit down and feast. There can be a feast here, but you can't—you may be like, nah, I ain't going to sit down. You could be starving, like, I ain't going to eat that chicken on that table. You have to make a choice to take a seat at the table god has provided for you now there is a general invitation we look at the parable in luke when it talks about how going to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come and so there is a feast of salvation that is eternal salvation there is an example of that right and we compel everybody to come to that but there's also a daily table there's also a daily feast yes you are saved but salvation is the doorway and too many christians stay in the doorway you're thankful that you walk through. Glory to God. I'm in. I'm in. But there's more. But if you just stay here, you won't get to enjoy the benefits your shepherd has provided for you. And so you have to walk in every single day and take a seat at the table. Take a seat at the feast God has for you. It is a choice. Say it's a choice. You have to make the choice to accept the invitation. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. You have to make a choice to accept the invitation of God. Let's look at this invitation some more. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. Says I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Let's focus on this one phrase here: hope of His calling. The word hope means positive, favorable, and confident expectation. The word hope here means positive, favorable, and confident expectation. This word calling means invitation. Paul was praying that the church at Ephesus' eyes would be enlightened so they would know the expectation of his invitation. That they would know the positive, favorable, and confident expectation of God's invitation for them. Meaning there's something wonderfully good on the other side of his invitation. And so that means if I want that, I need to accept the invitation and sit myself down. And so the thing is, as I was looking up this word for invitation in the Greek and other literature, it was used to describe an invitation to a feast. That's what was used in other literature of the day, to describe an invitation to a feast. And Paul is praying for us in this church to know the invitation God has for us. And what's on the other side of the invitation, all the things he's prepared for us at this feast. Go with me to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. There's room for you at the table is an invitation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Now, this is a familiar scripture to some people, and some people use it during the altar call to invite people to Jesus, and he could. But the context of the scripture is not talking to people who don't know Jesus. This scripture is written to a church, a literal church that existed in Laodicea. And Jesus was correcting them about a list of stuff. And then he ends it with this. So he's talking to believers, Holy Ghost-filled believers, to a church in modern-day Turkey. Is Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So that means Jesus is standing at the door of the life of Christians going, Will you let me in? Will you invite me in? to not just your general life so you save and have fire insurance, but your everyday life. And I will sit down and feast with you and your feast with me. You see, this invitation that there's room at the table for you is an invitation to fellowship, an invitation to communion, an invitation to a close and personal relationship with Jesus. You are invited to enjoy everything at the table. That is part of the invitation. But the best thing at the table is not the spread. It's not the food. It's not the provision. It is not the peace or the prosperity or the wisdom or the freedom or the healing or the deliverance or the salvation. All the wonderful promises of God. That is not the best thing at this table. The best thing at the table is our shepherd himself. That you're invited to enjoy all of these things with your shepherd. You're invited to a close and personal relationship with him. Yes, all these things are good, but he is the prize. All the things are great, but he is the one that we should be focused on. Yeah, the food is good, but whoo, you... Are our focus? Yes. The prosperity is good, but you are our focus. Yes. The anointing is good, but you are our focus. Yes. The promises are good, but you are our focus. Yes. The gifts of the spirit are good, but you are our focus. Yes. All the benefits are good, but you, Jesus are our focus. And see so many times, even as word people, we can get off and faith people we can get off. It's like, oh, I have faith for healing. I have faith for prosperity. I have faith for wisdom. That's great. But instead of having faith for healing, have faith in the healer. Instead of having faith in prosperity, have faith in the one who prospers you. Instead of having faith in wisdom, have faith in the one who gives wisdom. We need to make sure we're focused on the person and not the benefits. Focus on his face and not his hand. You can set your faith to have a close relationship with him. You see, I've been saved since I was three. Filled with the Holy Ghost in the first grade. I've learned a lot from so many teachers, from my spiritual father, and so many other people. But as I've walked this life, the people who impress me the most aren't the ones who can quote the most scriptures. It's not the people who know the most Hebrew and Greek. It's the people who know him. To me, that's more amazing (laughs) than they know him. Not just, oh, I know about him, but I know him. Because one of the things I've watched about the people who know him, when they walk in the room, things shift. Because they know him, and he likes to hang out with them. It's because of that personal relationship. People can be anointed and move with power of God and the corporate gathering because that's what they're anointed to do. But in their everyday life, do they know him? See, gifts do not equate maturity. Spiritual gifts and operating the gifts of the Spirit does not mean you know God. That just means you knew how to yield and let the Holy Ghost speak or let the Holy Ghost use you. Those are good things. And I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, I believe in moving with the Holy Ghost. I'm a big believer in all those things. But that does not mean your life is right. You can be a hot mess and be anointed. You can be a hot mess and get it right. You know, even a broken clock is right two times a day. The gifts and the anointing does not mean you have a relationship. So yes, walk in the gifts. Yes, walk in power. Yes, develop the fruit of the Spirit, but have a relationship with Him. Because so many times we say our relationship, we judge our relationship, did I do something right today? would Jesus even want to talk to me today? But we're not under the law. We're under grace. So that means when I mess up, I need to run to him, not from him. I need to run to my shepherd and sit away from him because I'll run away from him. I put myself in dangerous enemy territory where there are wolves that can get me. So what you need to do is always run to him. Turn to him. It doesn't have to be a dramatic or loud prayer. It could be in your heart. Help me, Jesus. I just messed that up royally. Help me, sir. Forgive me and help me, please. Turn to him. Don't have so much faith in your own ability. Have faith in his ability. The scripture says he's on the inside of you helping you to want to do what's right and to do what's right. So even if you don't even want to do what's right, he'll help you want to. You can just pray, God, help my want to. Because I I don't want to walk in love right now. I want to follow LL Cool J, knock them out. But help my want to right now, Jesus. Honest prayers. Because some of you learn how to pray professionally. I'm away from my notes now. You, You learn how to use all the King James. And you don't even talk in King James on a regular basis. But when you talk to God, it's the thuses and the thous. And the arts and all of these different things, which is great if you talk like that way, but most of y'all don't live 500 years ago. But can you actually talk to Him? Can you be honest with Him? Oh, I can't be honest with God. Who else are you supposed to be honest with? He already knows you. So sometimes some of you just need to start pressing Jesus, you already know what's up. You already know. I'm trying. But your people, you gave me. You list the people in your life that I'm trying to love them, Jesus, like you do, but I'm struggling today. I'm trying to pray for those in authority, but I'm struggling today, Jesus. Did you see what they tweet? I'm struggling, Jesus. Be honest with your Jesus, with your Savior. See, the presence of God is not the place to pretend. Too many people have taken the word of faith and made it the word of fake. You don't come into the presence of God being fake. No, you come as you are. Says, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Here's where the word of faith kicks in. But I know because I'm in your presence, I won't leave this way. I know because you are good in your relationship. You're not going to leave me in this state. So I'm coming as I am. I'm pouring out my heart and my soul before you. But I know you are good. I know your mercy endures forever. I know you restore my soul. I know you remove my burdens and destroy my yokes. I know you heal my broken heart. I know what your word says. So I'm going to lay all my drama, all my issues, all my mistakes at your feet. And when I get up again, because my faith is in you. I'm not going to be like when I came in. That's faith. Too many of us have become good pretenders and called it faith. And then we get longer with our life, so why didn't it work? Maybe it wasn't faith at all. Maybe you're just pretending. Faith is trust in God. Confidence in God. That it's not just when my circumstances are right. It's trusted all the time. I trust them at all the times even when I don't understand I trust you I don't understand why they didn't write I thought I did everything I was supposed to do I don't know why I didn't work God but I trust you see something I I think I shared in October here and other places was you need to learn how to sow your tragedy you need to learn how to sow your trauma you need to learn how to sow things that you don't even know why it happened so God I don't know why I thought I did everything right if I missed it show me I don't know why this happened, but you know what? I'm not going to change my theology because I experienced something that's against your word. I believe your word. I believe in your character. I believe in your love. So I'm going to take what I experienced and I cast it at your feet, sir. Some people have gotten, you know, they ignore it, which they get past it, but they're never really fully healed from it. Some of them get healed of it and they leave it at the altar, which is good. But I encourage you to take whatever you experienced this year in your life that hasn't been good and sow it. Why? A farmer who sows expects a harvest. What are you expecting? Restoration. Sow whatever happened and expect restoration. Sow whatever you went through and expect victory. Because too many of us define ourselves by our trauma. Define ourselves by whatever bad thing happened to us in the past. Like, well, you know, I'm a survivor of this. I'm glad you survived it. But now I need you to conquer it. How do I know I conquer it? That what happened to me in the past does not direct my daily decisions. Because there's something so I'm protecting myself was actually fear. Because you are afraid that it will happen again. Yes, it's wisdom and i put yourself in similar situations. But you need to get to a place where you can remember what happened but it doesn't hurt you anymore. They like, say, you know what, I remember it but I don't feel that pain anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know what, that did happen. Yep, I do recall that. But he healed me. He restored my soul. You know, Luke 4.18 tells me he's anointed to heal our broken hearts, which means he can take the crushed many shivers pieces of our life and put it together again to where it was never broken in the first place. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's doing in us. And we're invited to have a relationship with him. See, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remember, the word calls invited. You are invited to the relationship. And see, there are people who go to heaven who won't have a close relationship with Jesus. It's true. They'll get in, but how much will they miss out on Earth because they didn't have a close relationship? And then one of the things you'll learn as you look at the Scriptures that there's different reward levels in heaven based on how you walked with Him and lived with Him. So one of the best things you can do is draw near to him. See, James 2.23 says, and the scriptures were fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So Abraham, before the law, before the scriptures were ever written, before, thousands of years before Jesus even came, God told him something, and he believed. And his faith was counted to him as righteousness or right standing or right relationship with God. And he was called the friend of God. Now, we can talk about what a covenant friend means, but I'm not going to focus on that today. But one of the things to have a good friendship with someone, you got to trust them. You got to believe what they said. Because, you know, we have people in our lives like, oh, we love you with the love of Jesus, but we don't trust you as far as we can throw you. It's like, you know, I can be pretty strong, but I may not even trust you as far as I can throw you. For the people you have close relationship with, you believe them. And if you're going to have that type of relationship with God, you've got to believe him. Faith. So, God, you said it in your words, I believe it. Yep, everything I see around may contradict it, but you said it, I believe it. I'm a friend of God, so I believe what you say, sir. I believe that you are faithful. You know, Psalm 78, you can go there with me, Psalm Psalm 78. began to bring this to a close. Psalm 78. Verse 19. We've looked at Psalm 78 in passages like this because it's talking about the children of, children of Israel coming out of Egypt and how God delivered them out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness. It's like the ministry of the shepherd. And one of the things we see in the New Testament that they were our end samples or our examples, depending on what translation you read, which means we should learn from their mistakes and their successes. And here's one of their mistakes. We see it happen 10 different times. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? You may look at your life, as great, pastor, what you said, but can God really prepare a table before me in 2020? Can God really prepare a table before me in 2021 in spite of everything they said about this winter, everything they said about what's going on in this nation, everything they said about the economy? I don't know if I'm going to get the stimulus check. I don't know if my job's still going to be there. I don't know. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. Can God really prepare a table before me when everything around me has been shaken? Yes, he can. And it's a daily table. That although everything else may shake, this table is sturdy. But see, the people of Israel in the wilderness did not believe that. So they said, can God really furnish a table in the wilderness? But what did he do for them? It says he struck the wa- rock and waters gushed out and streams overflowed. They said, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? And he calls manna to fall and he calls food to fly in. But then it says God was angry because they believed not in God. They trusted not in his promise. What was the defining issue? They didn't believe him. And what did they kept saying? Well, God, we have died in Egypt. What, God, we have died in Egypt. Why did God bring us out to the wilderness? He brought us out of the wilderness to kill us. That's what they thought about him. You see, Numbers 14, 11, God is talking to Moses says, how long will these people provoke me? How long will it be till they believe me for all the signs which I've showed among them? The word provoke, yes, it means to provoke, but also means despise. So God said, how long will these people despise me? also means abhor. How long will these people abhor me? Or how long will these people hate me? They refuse to believe. It's like, how long will they hate me? I took them out of Egypt. I provided for them every single step of the way. I'm taking them to the promised land, but they refuse to believe me. We can't fall into that same situation. That just because what we went through was bad doesn't mean God's not leading us out. See, one of Israel's problems is they got out of Egypt, but they didn't get Egypt out of them. When you look at a lot of things they did, when we read Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and parts of Deuteronomy, they were still living like Egyptians. They didn't get Egypt out of them. Remember, God has called you out of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And as more you stay in relationship with them and walk with them according to his word, the world will get out of you. He said, oh, pastor, I grew up in the church. I'm not worldly. Because yeah. there's some churches that are worldly. And they may have done their best, but they may have to you some religious tradition that's actually not Bible-based. You know, some people think they know the Bible, but they don't. They quote the Bible. Isn't that a problem? It's like, no, that was Benjamin Franklin. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. We have to believe him. See, one of the things we've seen this year is everything that can be shaken was shaken. And the Bible tells us that happens from time to time. And then some of us, our faith wasn't in God. It was in our certainty. It was in our routine. It was, I'll be cool as long as all these things happen. I might have a rough day, but as long as my show is on, by the time I get home, and he realizes, oh, no, they can't feel Where's my show? I can't go anywhere. I'm in the house with them. My kids can't go to school. No, uh, uh, what? What? No, no, no. They, they, what? We've seen all these things happen. And your faith wasn't in God. It was that you could go somewhere or that you could go to a sports game. Oh, man, I could have gone to—think about all the football games, basketball games, baseball games. He's like, oh, man, that was my rest. That, I could have done that. But your faith wasn't in God. It was in what you could have done. One of the things is you're revealed to us, a lot of people, but revealed to us where was our faith? What was our faith in? And that sometimes we'll say, well, when it gets better, then I'll do what God wants me to do. That means your faith is not in God. Your faith is in the circumstances and the situations. That you have to take steps of faith with God even when everything looks crazy even if everything looks uncertain. Romans four thirteen, the New Living Translation says, clearly God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. You're the seed of Abraham. The whole world belongs to you. God gave it to you when he gave it to Abraham, and you received it when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. So instead of putting in your faith and what the U.S. government can do. And don't say more on that, just pray for them. <laughs> instead of putting your faith in whatever Georgians decide concerning the fate of the Senate next month, don't put your faith in that. Don't even stress about that. Yes, vote, but don't stress. Instead of putting your faith in what Wall Street looks like or doesn't look like, instead of putting your faith in the current administration or the incoming administration, instead up putting your faith in... All the good medical reports, and I thank God for doctors. We got doctors and nurses to this church, and y'all, I see y'all in the lobby. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, can we thank them real quick? Thank you for everything you've done this year. Thank you for all those watching online. But our faith is still not in the medical reports. That's not how we determine if we follow God or not, or what belongs to us or not. Our faith is in what God said. So we have to keep our faith in his word. And so we make decisions now, believing the whole world belongs to us. So he may look at this time and say, oh, I'm going down. No, no, no. He's my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not decrease. Well, God, the whole world belongs to me. And this is I'm coming into restoration, unprecedented victory. Then there's some things out there that you want me to have. You know, a couple years ago, if you told us we had opened two churches, the two campuses this year, I'm like, well, praise God, I'm a believer, I can believe, but that didn't seem likely two years ago. Eventually, yeah, but not two in the same year in the midst of a pandemic, as well as launch a TV network. One day, sure, it'll happen. Sure, one day it'll come to pass, the vision will come to pass, but in one year? And we're actively making plans for an additional campus? Because, you know, there's a whole lot of logical stuff. It's like, you no, know, not now. Maybe later. But God was good. If I get some of these testimonies in for you, he's been really good to you as individuals and families. And then I looked at what we did in our community this year. That in November, we fed 280 families. And then we just did it again this month in addition to giving to other organizations that are feeding the community. We've given more to the community this year than we've done in previous years. Huh. It has been a year of restoration. Now, there's been some challenges that none of us would have hoped for or asked for or believed for or even wanted to see. But we're here. You've been kept by God. And you're about to walk into a year of unprecedented victory. So expect victory in every area of your life. Use your faith and step out there and believe God for the impossible. And so now I walk around places. Now that, you know, the vision's come back quicker. You know, we had 14 plus locations. You said, why do you say plus? Because it kept growing. So I just say 14 plus is a safe number to say. And so I go to places. I'm like, well, what building is for us in this city, Lord? I was we did a lot of road trips this year, so we drive through places and Father, I thank you for what you could open here one day. Driving through Macon, I thank you for what you're gonna do in Macon. I thank you for what you can do in Savannah. I thank you for what you can do in Asheville. I thank you for what you're gonna do in Hilton Head. I thank you for what you're gonna do in Albany. I thank you for what you're gonna do in Athens. I thank you for what you are to do in Rome. I thank you for what you can do in Chattanooga. I thank you for what you're gonna do in Auburn. He called us to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. That is what he invited us to do. And we accelerated in it this year. And we're going to keep going forward. Think about all the lives you've reached because you've been part of this church. And through your prayers, your volunteering, or your giving, you helped start Faith Plus. And all the people who have been reached and in mo- was it? we're at 40 out of the 50 states at least this year and multiple countries in South America and Europe and Africa and even a few in the Middle East look what God has done so I encourage you put your faith in him focus on him Yeah, I'll stop here. The heavenly host praised God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. No it doesn't say goodwill among men or peace among men. That's great. But what are the angels declaring and celebrating? God has peace for you. That's where the people think, well, God is angry at me. No, no, you can't say that anymore. Peace. Oh, God wants to zap me because of my past. No, 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 he has goodwill towards you. So since he has goodwill towards you, since he has peace towards you, you might as well take your seat at the table because there's room for you at the table. The spread is there. But the greatest thing at the table is not the spread it's your shepherd himself so enjoy what he's provided but feast knowing he is the greatest prize and that as you walk with him the table moves no matter where he leads you the table will be there even in the presence of your enemies. You can feast while your enemies are staring you down. Why? Because you're confident in the ability of the feast maker to protect you while you die. Why would you stare at your enemies when your shepherd's right there? When he's bigger than the valley and bigger than enemies. So why are you looking at all your problems and glorifying your problems instead of your shepherd? Focus on your shepherd. You know we talk about adoring Him, adore Him. We talk about magnifying Him, magnify Him. Get lost in His goodness. Get lost in His love for you. He's going to become even more real to you as you do. Remember, years ago, might have been somewhere over ten years ago, the Lord told me. I think I'll close here. That as we get closer and closer to His return that, what was the best way to say it, Spirit of God? That Jesus will become even more real to us. That there'll be times where we're not even doing spiritual things. And he showed me this example in this little mini vision that driving the car and I could see Jesus sitting in the car next to me. That going to places, and there he is right there. I saw myself sitting at a table of friends, laughing, just having fun, and there's Jesus sitting with us, laughing with us. We're enjoying life in the awareness of his presence. And it wasn't just in spiritual things. I believe if it was in this time or another time that I saw us at a sports game and he was there with us enjoying being with us. That the awareness of his presence is not just for church, but it's our everyday life. And as we become more aware of him and walking with him, we'll realize that although everything else around us can look bleak, there's still a table before us even in the face and the presence of our enemies. So yes, there's some enemies before you. Yes, there's some challenges ahead of you. But don't glorify your enemy. Do not praise your problem. Look at your shepherd. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. If you're watching online and you can't stand where you are, Let's lift our hands to heaven in this room and online. We adore you. We magnify you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for preparing a table before us. Thank you for making room at the table for us. Thank you. We're grateful this morning, so we say thank you. We thank you. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so merciful. You're so patient. You're so forgiving. So we draw near to you, as it tells us in James. And as we draw near to you, you're drawn near to us. So we draw near to you right now in our hearts, with our words, with our attitude, with our faith. We draw near to you. You know it reminds me, Chuck, of that old Fred Hammond song, Just to be close to you is what I desire. Hallelujah. We draw near to you. Wherever you are right now, in your heart, draw near to him. Focus on him. Not what's going on in your life or what you're facing. Focus on him. Focus on him. Just to be close to you just to be close to you just to be close to you is my desire just to be close to you just to be close to you, just to be close to you is my desire just to be close to you thanks for watching today we hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know our vision statement is to ignite awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power, the love of Jesus. And we love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to fccga.com. If you want to give, you can text fccga to seven three two five six. You can also go to fccga.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our Faith Experience, we. Believe believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.